living, living, full and well, my life is put together. We feel it. Take care of ourselves. Hello and welcome to the Wishing You All podcast. We are your hosts, Amy and Catherine, and we are so excited to be here today and each week with you, helping you fit the pieces together to help you live your most well life. We know that wellness isn't as simple as it seems and isn't one size fits all. And so we're hopeful that through our weekly discussions, we can help you find the pieces that fit best for you. And so we will be bringing you our Reactivity TV segment today, which recaps the first episode of Bachelor in Paradise. Then we'll get into our topic today, which is anxiety. Um, We'll talk about what it is and the difference between stress and anxiety, um, how it shows up for us, for everybody, the different symptoms, different signs, and ways to cope. And then then we'll wrap it up with our self-care menu, as per usual. Yeah. Yes, I'm excited. Yes, me too. Should we get into it? Yeah, let's get into it. Therapist perception. Okay. Reactivity TV. Reactivity TV time. Um, And just for those who are unfamiliar, Mm -hmm. uh, Reactivity TV is our therapist perception of what we see on reality TV. Um, Specifically right now, we're talking about Bachelor in Paradise, which just kicked off. Mm -hmm. Yes. Brand new season, Bachelor in Paradise. My personal favorite, I think, part of the franchise because I'm laughing at myself (laughs) as I'm about to say this. My favorite part, because I feel like it is most accurate, a most accurate representation of modern dating, particularly with like dating apps and things like that. And it's also really fun to watch because there are so many different personalities and drama. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, it's like it's a little more real because you're putting a bunch of people together who could possibly find love with different people as opposed to oh I'm here to meet one person yeah you're right I mean this this could happen on vacation right (laughs) you never know you never know (laughs) yes and so the the format of Bachelor in Paradise is somewhat similar to The Bachelor and Bachelorette in that there are roses each week but um each person gets well each person of a particular gender each week gets a rose to give to it the person of their choice, and then that switches, the roles reverse mm-hmm. um, each week, which is all, always an interesting dynamic to see how that plays out and affects the kind of like dating and navigating that. Um, and supposedly, um, it ends in with the concept of an engagement at the end. And so as Jesse Palmer, the host put it, you either find love or you leave. So, no pressure. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> um, so, so there was so much going on in last night's episode, not only because Bachelor in Paradise also just has a lot more players, but there's just, like, so much more. Um, so where, where do you – what stuck out to you? What was your moment? Um, so, so, as you're saying, a lot's going on. Everyone's meeting everybody some, sometimes for the first time, sometimes they, they're all in their Bachelor Nation uh, you know, groups and, and whatnot. But for the most part, everyone's just getting familiar with each other, um, some more so than others. Uh, 
right off the bat. Um, but so my moment was a meeting that didn't really go as somebody thought. Mm-hmm. Um, it was between Genevieve and Justin. Um, and just forgive me because whenever these new seasons kick off, I don't know anyone's name mm-hmm. until like a third of the way through, at least maybe more. Um, I'm, I mean, some of these people have been on other seasons, so it was a little easier to catch on unless they left early. Um, besides the point, Genevieve and Justin, um, they they met, uh, but right before Genevieve was talking about how she was really looking forward to meeting him, um, and she really thought up an, a whole kind of scenario of what he's like and all this kind of hypotheticals of who what their relationship could be. Um, and then they meet and they're talking and it's pretty dull and not going anywhere. And um, she definitely seemed pretty disappointed in that. Mm-hmm. Um, so the reason I brought that up um, is because sometimes this happens when people are dating, uh, certainly on dating apps, people are dating and they're thinking about what something could turn into. Um, they're thinking really far down the line uh, based on a few criteria that they know about somebody in a profile. Um, and that doesn't give somebody the full picture. Uh, so maybe, and I have no idea, absolutely no idea, but maybe Genevieve knew about Justin from uh, Katie's Katie season that he was on, um, or maybe social media, or ma- something that she was able to then craft this idea of, ooh, Justin and Justin and I would be a good fit. A Justin fantasy. Be, yes, a fantasy, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so the reason I, I thought I wanted to bring that today was just because a lot of the times these these hypotheticals, these fantasies, don't play out in the way that we think that they will. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know where their relationship is headed by any means, um, but I just thought it was an interesting thing to see play out on the screen uh, where it happened with Serene and Brad too, but... Brandon. D- uh, Brandon, dang it! <laughs> Ah, you were close. I was close. I told you. Um, Serene and Brandon. <laughs> it happens. It happens. Yeah. Um, and it looked really different. Yes. And it looked very different. They were whoop, ready to go. They went <laughs> for it. They went it. for it. Yeah. Yeah. But you're so right. Like, yeah, Genevieve did apparently concoct this, like, fantasy about the the relationship that she and Justin could have based Maybe on what she saw, what we all saw on Katie's season, and maybe what she's seen on social media or heard about him. And yeah, it did seem like it kind of fell flat when they were meeting and they didn't really actually have a lot to connect on. And at the same time, despite that, despite that really kind of awkward conversation we witnessed, she was still in it. She was still invested and went back later. And I wonder how much of that was because she had this fantasy and she was already invested before she even met him and how much, you know, we we only know what we see on screen. So we mm-hmm. don't know what happened between them, between the narwhal conversation. Right. Yeah. Well, and uh, this even makes me think further about it that when she went back to talk to him and they're, they're laying together in that little uh, cabana that she said, you, you didn't seem into me before. And it wasn't that I didn't seem into you or that you know, you weren't who I thought you'd be. It was, you didn't seem into me, which I was thinking about maybe how she could have 
interpreted it that way that oh this isn't working because he's not into me not this isn't working because this isn't a good match mm-hmm. and we're not actually you aren't who I thought you were um I think she might still be stuck in that framework of oh I want you to be this person mm-hmm. but you're not you're not you know you're not returning that yeah oh god that's such a good point and I think that's something that comes up in dating a lot is that we sometimes get so wrapped up in whether or not someone likes us that we forget to think about if how the person is showing up is like actually attractive and appealing to us Um, because it sounds like there were a lot of disconnects where they they had this kind of conversation that fell flat and then she felt like he he didn't show an interest in her and that he wasn't like showing her with actions that he was invested and all of those like check 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 like not a match or like like turned off um but she didn't really give herself the agency to do that she was more putting like the the power so to speak about what the future would be in his hands which happens so much in in dating yeah 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 one one thing i also just wanted just in terms of like the like projecting fantasies the other thing i noticed as well was um andrew s meeting Teddy and how he seemed so excited to meet her. So excited. And it seemed like he had also kind of like fantasized about what she mm-hmm. and that would be like to the point that he was like so, so nervous. nervous and couldn't even be himself because he was so mm-hmm. nervous. And I found that really endearing, but also again, like kind of so relatable that we can create these kind of like stories and visions in our head Ooh, that kind of connects back to what we'll talk about later. Yeah. But we can create these stories in our head that like end up paralyzing us or, or keep us from being our most authentic self because we built up this fantasy. And that seemed to also happen with Andrew. Yeah. They got through it though. They did. <laughs> I'm rooting for them. Me too. Me too. Um your moment. My moment. Mine mine is a mix of a moment slash a person. Mm-hmm. So um, I really wanted to talk about Lace. Mm-hmm. And I really, I have to say, I give Lace a lot of credit for coming back. She was on Bachelor in Paradise season three. She definitely had a little bit of a messier um, experience in the Bachelor franchise. She did leave Bachelor in Paradise three engaged, if oh, you so recall. that. <laughs> <laughs> Just me? Okay. Um, I would have been calling her loose. Like, uh. <laughs> Logan. <laughs> yeah. Um, but she, so so she came in, she's 32. She's like kind of removed from current Bachelor world, even though like in Bachelor history, she's like kind of iconic. Yeah. And so she walks in and she's, again, a little bit older than most of the other women on the show. Not that she's old at 32. And kind of a little bit out of the game. And she walks in and she's like, hey. And no one turns around. And I, oh my gosh, my heart broke for her. And and you could kind of watch her. And, and I guess the, why this kind of um, resonated with me is that you could kind of watch her kind of get more stressed and more mm-hmm. anxious about like, oh my gosh, I don't fit in here. Um, and I think that um, that experience that she had uh, is also really relatable, like how brave it is to put yourself out there and to be kind of met with not as warm of a welcome as you were hoping. And and that it seemed like she had come in with some insecurities and her insecurities were validated. And so I 
like wanted to highlight that because that does happen sometimes that like sometimes um, our like what we're worried about does quote unquote come true. And so I just kind of noticed Lace, I was almost going to call her loose, <laughs> Lace start to spiral a little bit. And I think that kind of like spiral is what contributed toward her feeling like no one was giving her attention, no, no one really was interested in her. Um, but the other part of Lace that I wanted to talk about was how incredibly impressed I was with her ability to be adaptive, to gain attention from the group. <laughs> she did it. <laughs> she faked a birthday. I mean, yeah. how creative. Um, but again, I think I think it's a it's like kind of a sillier or lighter example of sometimes we do things that um, do that are adaptive, that do help us get our needs met. And she was feeling so insecure and so unwanted and so unappealing to the rest of the group that she was able to figure out a way to garner attention and affection and get a guy to talk to her. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, she looked like she was about to go home. And yeah. then she was like, I'm going to turn this around for myself. I don't want to go out like this. I want to mm-hmm. try here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that that really resonated with me in, in kind of just watching, like, the spiral of her anxiety and maybe insecurity and, and then watching watching what she did with that. And I think that's, especially as we get into our main topic today about anxiety, really helpful to kind of think about that um, sometimes, depending on the, like, thoughts uh, and feelings that we have, we might engage in certain behaviors or activities that help us get our need met. And whether that's her going to cry in her bunk bed by herself and completely isolate because she was feeling so uncomfortable, and then on the flip side, go and put herself out there. I mean, we all find ways to cope with really uncomfortable feelings, and and we saw Lise do that. So I just wanted to kind of note that, that that was such a human thing that she did and, and so incredibly adaptive of her. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. And then she seemed to see that play out with Logan, too, when she was talking to him. It almost was this, and maybe it was confirmation bias, where she was already feeling insecure, and then he forgot her name, and it seemed like she just slipped right back into, oh, man, maybe I I shouldn't be here, or, like, maybe maybe I'm, like, quote-unquote, too old to be here. Like, I don't know these people, and this is weird, this is awkward. Like, it just seemed to kind of flip her right back into that. So... I'm 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 curious to see what then plays out after that mm-hmm. if um if she turns it around again or it you know has this anxiety but is able to manage it and feel like even with this anxiety she can still get the most out of her time there. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, she came in saying it's been 6 years. I've done a lot of self-work. And it this will really put that work to the test. And so I'm – this is not a therapist. <laughs> not a therapist uh, reaction. My human reaction is I'm rooting for her. I really am. Yeah. Hey. More to come. Full season with two episodes a week. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, they're really going to speed through that one. <laughs> Ooh. We're in. We're ready. <laughs> you have previewed our topic of the week as anxiety and we acknowledge that anxiety is it's a huge huge um, catch-all 
and um, it covers so much. And so this is kind of like an intro into anxiety and kind of generally talking about how it shows up. Um, Though disclaimer, please don't use this podcast to um, diagnose yourself. If you're if any of these things resonate with you, definitely talk about it with a healthcare provider or your therapist if you're seeing a, a therapist. So this is more meant to be um, inf- a little informational. Okay. Yeah. And um, yeah, and then we can kind of go from there. Yeah, I like that. It's like just when we talked about self care, there's so much to talk about. So I'm sure we'll be returning to this topic um, as we return as we return to this in our work all the time. So mm-hmm. um, yes. Well, let's start with the what really is anxiety. Um, I think it gets grouped into stress and feeling overwhelmed. And um, so it can be a little confusing. And then it also um, kind of gets so generalized, too, um, in thinking about, oh, this is my anxiety or, or I'm so anxious. Like, but people use these words a lot, but maybe not. Maybe they're not sure what they really mean. Um, or some people might be afraid to use them um, because they're afraid to diagnose themselves or um, they're really just not sure mm-hmm. where to go with that. And I think there is still a stigma yeah. around just um, putting any sort of like mental health diagnosis um, as part of how you might think about yourself or how you might put a label to certain things that you're experiencing too. So I think that also can lead to some of the hesitation. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So how would you kind of describe anxiety or maybe as, as you said it kind of gets lumped into stress even panic mm-hmm. you know yes. how do you kind of think about that in terms of the way that you differentiate yeah I mean I would I would say it's more of a prolonged feeling um, and it's you know stress can be acute and it can be something that's that's situational um, although anxiety can be too um, Anxiety is really something that um, something that forms out of stress, forms out of overwhelm, um, and becomes something something bigger, more impactful, um, Joel, and, and something that affects you for longer. Mm-hmm. Um, right, more persistent. Yes. Yeah, yeah, right. And I, I think um, certainly, like stress might be our our immediate response to. Um, something situational that's going on uh, but I like the way that you kind of differentiated the two they 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 are often linked right like our, our stress can be um, or our anxiety might be born from like prolonged stress uh, so yeah I think anxiety the way that I think of anxiety is that it is a little bit more persistent and consistent in the way that it's showing up in someone's life and um, and also in like the intensity or the way that it might impact someone. Mm-hmm. Right. Like the symptoms of anxiety are are different in the impact. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the important thing to know that when we're talking about any emotion is that, first of all, what makes us human is that we have feelings. And so um, part of being a human is that we can feel anxious. And that the way that we think about emotions is that emotions give us information. And so it's a mix of we all have it. We all have anxiety. It's part of us. There's no getting rid of it. Sorry, 
Um, and it's just yeah. the, the level of the anxiety is, is what we, we typically think about when we're working with people who experience anxiety. But it is something that we all have and that anxiety is part of us. It, we, we have it as part of our response system to danger, essentially. And that's why it's there. So it does have a purpose. And in that purpose is to give us information that we feel scared. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Uh- and trying to differentiate between when that alarm system needs to be going off and when maybe it's not serving us. Mm-hmm. Are we in danger or is, are we just having a danger response to something? Oh, that's good. And, and there are a ton of different, uh, different kinds of anxiety. Um, like I said before, sometimes anxiety is situational. Um, and it, sometimes people have social anxiety and sometimes people have this general anxiety um, and sometimes it's, um, now I'm like going into the DSM, sometimes it's unspecified. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but like, like Amy said, you know, we're not here to talk about these, the, like this feeling and this, this experience in, um, like a like diagnostic, in a diagnostic way. way. Exactly. Um, we just want to talk about how it shows up and how to ways to help with that ways that have certainly helped us um ways that we know help other people too right spoiler alert we are therapists who also have experiences with anxiety so we're gonna get into that a little (laughs) bit later yes of course (laughs) um so i i think as as we were saying before like sometimes people like hear anxiety and what might freak them out about it having anxiety about anxiety is um is that like how it's typically like linked is with panic like oh if i'm anxious that must mean i'm having panic attacks or i only get get to characterize what i'm experiencing as anxiety if i'm having an anxiety attack or i'm having a panic attack and that's not accurate Mm -hmm. um and certainly not what we're talking about when we're talking about anxiety um and rather, what we're really talking about are all of the different symptoms that we experience um, physically, mentally, emotionally, socially, and and how those things might impact our overall functioning. Mm-hmm. And I love that you said that because sometimes people will tend to feel like, like, like you said, if I'm not panicking, then I'm not experiencing this. And that just totally invalidates um what you are actually feeling and uh and I think that what we want to do here is to describe that all of these other things can also be anxiety and that doesn't make them any less than if you are actually having a full-on panic attack right right yeah and I think something that we've talked about is like when it comes to emotional experiences like it's not the hard olympics like we're not trying to like there's not a race like we're not like needing to win an award for who's the most stressed or who's the most anxious um simply like letting ourselves understand and experience the feeling that we're having is is what's most meaningful we don't need to have a certain level of it in order for it to count um, or in order for us to address it yeah Absolutely. So let's talk about how it shows up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so obviously there is the, the panic attack portion um, that a lot of people are familiar with, um, but there are a lot of other 
physical manifestations and we can we can kind of break it down between some of the ways that shows up physically some of the ways it shows up emotionally mentally um and that kind of thing in little sneaky ways that it likes to pop up so so thoughtfully (laughs) anxiety is sneaky yes um, so, so physical manifestations, what comes to mind for you in terms of what it might feel like in somebody's body? That's such a therapist. Yeah. <laughs> Where are you feeling that? Um, certainly any heart racing, um, sweating, uh, fidgeting, um, not sleeping uh, or oversleeping mm-hmm. um, or having trouble, like, con- continuing to sleep. Um, obviously really, like tension you know I feel it in my shoulders a lot or in my neck um so that's me um but yeah so any kind of muscle tension in general um but then like internally hormone imbalances um appetite nausea those kinds of things Mm -hmm. oh also chest tightening that's a common one Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and I I love kind of starting with the physical manifestations of it because I think some of these things that you described like not sleeping or feeling like your your body's really tense or maybe noticing changes in your hormonal cycle or your appetite might not get flagged as I'm I'm anxious right now and so I think really trying to um like notice the observable first can be really helpful if you're not sure if you're experiencing anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. They're kind of, they're not obvious because a lot of the time someone might normalize that, oh, this is me. I, I just, you know, I, I tense up a lot. Um, or, um, yeah, like my heart just races from time to, from time to time. Um, but they, they might not take that next step and read into it. Um, and of course, again, if you're experiencing any of these symptoms, we are not telling you that it's obviously anxiety. We're just saying that these can can be anxiety. Um, and if you are experiencing any of these physical things, to seek out help with your healthcare provider. Yes, always. Um, so I, I, in my experience, I, I think most people tend to um, really. When they think about anxiety, they really relate it to the mental um, manifestations of anxiety, Mm -hmm. which tend to be those like the overthinking, the ruminating thoughts where you're kind of just like stuck on a loop or maybe even the intrusive thoughts where you might get a flash of a of a scary or an intense thought Um, having kind of just worry thoughts, the what if thoughts, the The future thinking, Yeah, future thinking, yeah, analysis paralysis. Um, or just that general sense of overwhelm um, that I think I think that those um, experiences tend to get most identified with anxiety. Mm-hmm. Most, they're, they're most familiar when you when you hear anxiety. Yeah. 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 And I think that, um, yeah, those are those are really the common ones to to hear about. And and also the common ones that people are really really wanting to stop and really wanting to get and like get out of their heads um they're really wanting to calm the mind essentially and that is really really hard Mm -hmm. right and these more mental symptoms tend to get much more in the way Mm -hmm. of of living the life living your life and um and can have such an impact on the way that you engage 
with others or engage in the world. And so I can understand why people would really, really want to address those symptoms because they can be really disruptive in, in your life. Yeah. Yeah, they can be. And same, same with the emotional ones. Um, you know, you might find yourself being a bit more irritable or, um, or, or emotional. Like if you could cry a bit more usual more, more frequently than, than you're used to. Um, these kinds of things are, um, are also, are also signs and, and feelings like, feelings of anxiety. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And then we have the sneaky ways. Aha, uh-huh. the sneaky ones, which I, yeah, they're just so interesting. Well, I'm familiar. Yeah. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, some, some like maybe, um, experiences that you might be familiar with but might not link with anxiety are things like people-pleasing, perfectionism, um, experiencing imposter syndrome, being avoidant, um, having a lot of self-doubt. All of these things could stem from feelings of anxiety, experiences mm-hmm. of anxiety. Yeah. I mean, and we can talk in at length at, for each of these, but maybe can you give an example as to how people-pleasing is anxiety? Sure. Or could be coming from anxiety? Well, as a um, recovering people-pleaser, um, so so much of, I, I find for myself, um, my um, urge to give in to people-pleasing, like if someone asks me to do something, it's really rooted in uh, an ang- anxiety that I have maybe about my relationship with them or how they might view me or... Um, what the outcome might be if I don't do this thing. And so it can be rooted, like, coupled with a lot of overthinking and unhelpful thinking about yourself. Mm-hmm. Is that – what were you thinking? No, no, absolutely. Um, like, if you're more apt to thinking about somebody else's belief of you, um, and then you're already thinking out of – you know what what is actually true what what it, you actually know and that isn't is an overthinking indicator and um certainly it's anxiety mm-hmm. yeah yes and and yeah so much of like what almost erodes like erodes us <laughs> um in all of these things people pleasing perfectionism imposter syndrome um, self-doubt tends to be like that overthinking and that unhelpful thinking and um, anxiety is such a freaking liar mm-hmm. uh, and like and I think that's I know we're going to get to that um, but so many of the urges that we have that that are like related to people pleasing perfectionism all of that stuff are based in thoughts that are false um, and those are our anxious thoughts yeah. mm. that's why it's sneaky because mm-hmm. it's a lie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, and, and then there are some other signs. Um, like, I mean, it kind of goes along with any um, – it, it kind of goes, goes into the mental symptoms category, but it is a sneakier one, and it's when you're distracted. And this is, like, a huge one for me, for sure. Um, I know that my anxiety is higher if – um, if I'm not able to focus, uh, focusing is, is just, or getting out of focus is such a, such an indicator. Um, and then also shutting down. So you mentioned analysis paralysis. Um, but 
if you get that feeling where you just want to want to or like feel like you can't get the words out or you feel like you can't move forward with something um and you just are feeling stuck that that can definitely or you you have a creative block or or anything like that 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 can definitely be one of those anxiety attacks Mm -hmm. being fidgety is definitely Mm -hmm. mine um quick anecdote that when I was just starting out in this um, field I was super anxious and dealing with all of the people pleasing perfectionism imposter syndrome things and so a way that anxiety really showed up for me was that I would twirl my hair um, and that was like the outlet for my anxiety to the point that this side of my hair was longer than this side and um, and I, luckily my supervisor at the time had pointed this out for me that that was my anxiety showing mm-hmm. and um, and I didn't even realize it was so unconscious that I was like so fidgety and so uncomfortable that it was just showing up in this like nervous habit yeah yeah, yeah. And, and and you can be so unaware of it and if somebody doesn't point out one of these things to you um, yeah it could just go un- undetected because we do, we all do these kinds of fidgety things all the time and um and some of them could be like some twirlies or um, anything that, you know, we feel like we can't sit still. Um, it could be anxiety in those circumstances. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So should we take a water break? Sure. And then when we come back from our water break, we're going to talk about how to cope. All right. We're back. So we're going to talk about ways that we might feel anxiety coming on. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Well, I I know we've talked about this. And one thing that it, it's so interesting because it's a way that anxiety comes on but also contributes to more anxiety mm-hmm. is when things start to pile up, whether that's like to-do items, uh, the chair. Oh, the chair. <laughs> If you have a chair that everything starts to pile up on, mm-hmm. um, my kitchen sink is always a rem- always like an indicator that like I'm feeling overwhelmed if my kitchen sink is also overflowing. Mm-hmm. So we might see these signs in our life of um, that that are manif- manifestations, like external manifestations that we're feeling kind of overwhelmed and anxious. Yeah. Oh, and I just want to say I used to have a chair. And then I didn't have the chair anymore, thinking that the chair was the problem. No, it wasn't. Now, then it became um, the bench. Hmm. Then there was no bench, but that was just a design thing. So no bench. And then what it currently is will be the, the like you know like the bigger the bigger throw pillows from the bed that like now the clothes will rest over those where those go on next to the bed that's what that's what that turned into so you might have it even if there's no chair <laughs> it will find ways to to pop up it's a sneaky one it is it's a sneaky one um well and i think the reality is like we can only contain it for for but so long before it starts showing up in in ourselves and in our lives, and that is just that is like such <laughs> such a way. I have the bench, by the way, and you know it, it is <laughs> filled to the brim right now. Um, so so yeah, I mean, I think that's that's also 
so important is like just because we remove the thing doesn't mean it won't keep from popping up somewhere else. It's kind of like whack-a-mole. Right. It's Well, it's kind of like treating the, um, like, you're treating this, this the outcome or, like, the symptom sort of rather than actually what's going on. Mm-hmm. And that's not helpful. Right. Yeah. It's just a little Band-Aid for a bigger thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I, I mean, in it, just in terms of things piling up literally or, like, just to-do list keeps, keeps you know, it, that keeps adding up that – um yeah it's just like if that if you're just given a huge list of something that can already be so anxiety provoking and then if it just keeps coming on and it keeps coming on um that's where you might start to feel like I can't handle this this is too overwhelming and the you know the ruminating thoughts start or any one of these other symptoms either start or kick back into gear um if you experience the same kinds of symptoms over and over again, um, which is another kind of way of noticing how we might feel it coming on. If we are familiar with already the past and our pattern kind of of anxiety, that we might notice it coming on with, oh, that's happening again. So I must already, like, I must be anxious. Um, I didn't realize it, but, oh, uh, Let's see. <laughs> Let's see from this long, <laughs> nice list. Um, I, oh, I'm, I'm, yeah, I've been pretty irritable lately. So that's, um, I, I, I'm, that must be me being anxious. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. I think, well, this also reminds me of something else that we were going to talk about too, that another way that we might feel it coming on is, is the way that we might engage or maybe disengage in relationships mm-hmm. um, that, like, for some people, you mentioned shutting down before, like, maybe isolating from relationships might be a way that um, we might feel anxiety coming on or notice anxiety coming on. Is that, like, our urges or, like, our interests in engagement might be different? Um, we might also be a little bit more irritable within our relationships. We might feel more insecure in our relationships. That email from your boss might spark more of a, oh my gosh, am I getting fired kind of feeling. So you might just feel more on edge in relationships. So that's also something to note. Yeah. Or just you might feel more impatient with people, um, with family members that maybe you're trying to even like, if you're trying to work on being more patient with, it might be, you might find yourself like it, you, you might find yourself you might find it a little harder to do that when you're more anxious rather than other times where it's still difficult, but it's a little easier to do. If you're typically patient with somebody and you do find yourself feeling impatient with them, that and that doesn't represent your usual interaction and your usual temperament, then, um, that, yeah, that can certainly be a way you could feel it coming on. Mm-hmm. So um, what do we do? <laughs> what do we do with all this anxiety? How, how do we not let it completely overtake our lives? Um, wait, I want to come to that, but okay. there was one other thing that I wanted to bring up about ways that we might feel it coming on. Um, if you live on Zillow and you start to fantasize about your future and uh, all of these things that you desire, all these um, 
all these wants and all these things that aren't real yet, maybe, um, or, and that's on the like posit- more positive end of it, or you could live in this other area of, okay, all these all of these things are making you pretty anxious recently. And now I'm thinking up this worst case scenario and I'm living in that. Um, so it can kind of play into two different areas where you might feel it coming on with these when you start living in the what if. Mm-hmm. Um, you're living in this what if land of positivity or you're living in this what if land of negativity. And both of these things can be rep- can represent anxiety. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and, and I, I think I, I hear so many um, people that I work with kind of talk about always waiting for the other shoe to drop. Mm-hmm. Um, that's maybe more on the on the other side uh, of the what you were describing, but I think the other the other piece maybe that's woven through the way it might show up in our lives is that that can create a feeling of always being kind of like on on like always on high alert, uh, looking for looking for evidence to support that something bad is going to happen or something's going to go wrong. That feeling of hyper vigilance of like consistent awareness is is definitely a symptom of anxiety but also can lead can be so exhausting um and so yeah that's that's another huge piece too gosh there's so much there is a lot more to come yes definitely (laughs) more yeah so back to ways to cope what do we do well i'm of a school of thought so to speak that um with with a calm body, we can have a calm mind. Mm-hmm. And so um, one way to cope is kind of like through your body, right? We we started off by talking about the way that anxiety can manifest physically. And so like so, so many times our thoughts are so um, consuming that it's and, – and when we're emotional, we are not rational at all. Um, we're pretty dumb when we're emotional. And so – our thoughts are not going to be helpful or our friend at that point. And so we won't have we won't have an in to kind of intervene. And so we can calm our body first. Um, and with a more calm body, we can get to a more calm mind. Mm-hmm. And so grounding exercises can be really helpful in bringing your overall state of being to a more calm place. And that will help you have fuller access to a more like logical brain. Yeah. I mean, because the reality is you're it's all living in the same place. Mm-hmm. And so just just because you're the anxiety you're experiencing might be overthinking. It doesn't mean that you can't treat it at at the physical um, like in a physical way. Um, it It's actually very it just makes that much more sense to treat it that way um, because of the reasons that you just mentioned. Um, and, yeah, it's just all. It's all connected. Mm-hmm. And so um, there's no reason that you have to go to that one spot. It can You can start with it anywhere. Right, right, yeah. Even if you are, like, experiencing anxiety mostly mentally or emotionally, that doesn't mean you can't kind of get at it from, mm-hmm. from the more physical end. And there we can do probably a whole episode around um, mindfulness and, and whatnot, but there's so much – like data and evidence, especially on the neuroscience end around ways that grounding turns on the parasympathetic nervous system, our, the calm center of our brain. Mm-hmm. And, and that's really what gets us, that can be so effective and quick at getting us to a more calm state of being. Yeah, yeah 
it's really powerful. Um, and then I like what, what you were saying before uh, that we were going to talk about, that anxiety is a freaking liar. And so checking the facts, uh, checking those facts, uh, really trying to peel it back and ask yourself if this is true or it's anxiety. Um, being able to discern if it's what you thought up or if there are hard facts around it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, anxiety loves all or nothing, mm-hmm. loves it so much. And and it makes sense that, like, you'd want the category of good or bad, all or nothing, black or white. And so anxiety loves the extremes. And so, like, <laughs> that's just, like, that just can't be. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, checking the facts because anxiety is a liar and loves extremes and extremes don't exist. So um, trying to really listen to your thoughts and ask yourself, is this true um, or how do I know this is is really helpful because mm-hmm. you might feel like, oh, no, it's true that I'm a loser. <laughs> um, but who told me this? Oh, well, mm-hmm. I told myself this. Mm-hmm. And right now I'm not a really reliable narrator. Um, so, yeah, really, really trying to fact check your thoughts most likely they are not only not accurate but they are not helpful Mm -hmm. right or like even going back to your example of uh getting an email from from your boss like you could uh, thinking like oh this is the one they're gonna they're gonna they're they're gonna set up a meeting with me and fire me um that like that that lie that you're telling yourself there like asking yourself where is this coming from if you come back to that place of like being able to answer these questions um, in a in a more honest way, um, you're probably going to find, wait, I actually have been, you know, I've been doing that and I did that and I, I completed this. And I you know, like, so really actually looking at, um, it, it forces you to actually look at what you've done and what you've, um, what you've actually put out there. Right. It gives you a more like accurate yes. picture yes. Of, of what's going on right. rather than just kind of like seeing all the all the negative or mm-hmm. all the worst case scenario. Mm-hmm. Because it probably wasn't, oh, I haven't been I haven't been keeping up with this. It was probably, oh, I took that like five extra minutes where I shouldn't have like I shouldn't have uh, taken that break or um, I, I, I started at 9.03. Like right. something There's those that extreme. Yeah, again. something that's, that's so extreme that doesn't typically result in that other extreme of anxiety. And so I guess that kind of leads us to like kind of our next a next way to cope is to really slow down. Um, like the experience of anxiety can feel flooding, can feel overwhelming. It can you can experience it as racing thoughts. And so and and like it almost in my experience, almost feels like you have your blinders on to whatever um, that thing is that you might be feeling anxious about. And so if you're if you're able to slow down and kind of zoom out like what you were saying, mm-hmm. to kind of see the whole picture rather than this one thing. Little moment. Yeah, it, it can be really, really helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, and I feel like I've been talking about this zoom out a lot um, in, in, like as a therapist recently, that this 
that sometimes what anxiety has us do is look at this big picture, but it's looking at this big picture, like you're saying, with these blinders on. That's not actually big picture. Um, and so it's also and it's also fooling you into thinking that, oh, because I'm looking at my whole future 20 years from now, I must be looking at the whole picture. But it's it's not. It's it's this little like fool's gold version of a, of an actual zoom out where you can actually see, you know, I'll, I'll just go back to the the work scenario. Like you can actually see a performance based like understanding of who you are at work and how you are um, at what you do and something like that. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I was just thinking of like the image of anxiety. Like while we might be standing in front of a mirror with anxiety, it might be a fun house mirror yeah. where we're seeing ourselves reflected back to us. But it's like really inaccurate and really skewed and being able to kind of step back get more mindful, get more grounded, can help us, like, have a more clear reflection of what's going on. Mm-hmm. Is that just a therapist thing to, like, think of this? I don't know. Let us know if you yeah. also think in visuals and analogies <laughs> because we, we, always, we, have a, we always have a new one. <laughs> yeah. So a couple of other things that we identified. Um, one is maybe, I, maybe I'll just kind of go, go through these mm-hmm. a little bit yeah. quickly. Um, because we kind of have covered them, um, to be mindful of what your self-talk is in these moments, that um, we don't want necessarily positive self-talk. Like if you are stressed out about studying for like an exam coming up um, and like and you're telling yourself you're going to fail, it might not also be helpful to tell yourself like, no, I'm going to get an A plus. Like I'm going to do great. That's not helpful because it's not accurate. Mm -hmm. And so um, trying to think about what helpful self-talk sounds like um, in a way that you can be um, nurturing and encouraging to yourself and compassionate with yourself when you are feeling a certain way. Mm-hmm. Like, it's going to be okay no matter the outcome. Or I'm going to try the best that I can um, and I'll deal with whatever the outcome is. It, it, like, it'll be okay. Mm-hmm. And so really trying to be mindful of what your self-talk sounds like and framing it in such a way that it is actually helpful um, and encouraging, compassionate toward yourself. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I like the way you just phrase that because often people think that um, I can't just think positive because if I think positive, then like that's that that's just, oh it's like silver lining talk like that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about just like take what you're feeling and think the opposite because that doesn't make any sense. Um, so I, I love the way you just described that. Um, we also want to be mindful to not judge our feeling but rather to be curious about it like we talked about at the top like feelings are emotions they're giving us information anxiety has its place and has a use and so if you're noticing a feeling of anxiety try to listen to what it's telling you um and and be really curious about um about what you might learn or and 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 then therefore like how you can adapt Mm -hmm. and and deal with it in the moment yeah if you get curious with it then you can challenge you can challenge it and you can think about the lies versus the, the truth and um, yeah. And then other thing is to be mindful of who you are talking it out with. Um, you probably have people in your life who can really stir it up for you, add fuel to the fire. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that can be when you're talking about 
I don't know. Sometimes that's fun. But when you're anxious and you like really need to like verbally process it with someone, um, you it's most ideal that it's someone that can help ground for you or help give you the the more helpful, compassionate self-talk, not like, oh, yeah, you are going to fail. And then you're, you know, you're going to go nowhere in life. And, oh, my God, like yeah. there are those people that like can get anxious with you and that's not helpful. So to like choose your um, your talking talking it out partner yeah yeah wisely. because that person could be the fact checker mm-hmm. and and that person can be the curious one if you feel like you're in a space where you can't be mm-hmm. right and then lastly when in doubt take things one thing at a time <laughs> you know anxiety like tells us we need to you know do again in extremes, like everything at once, all the things, um, take, taking things one thing at a time can help things feel less overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I say. Just baby steps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Slowly. Slowing it down. Yeah. Um, so one thing that we didn't talk about is yeah. that a way that like can help people cope is through therapy. <laughs> but What? I- <laughs> <laughs> but I yeah. feel like we we want we really wanted to address like what what therapy's place is in addressing anxiety. Yeah. I mean it's just like we were saying before, um you're not gonna you're not gonna get rid of anxiety and going to therapy isn't gonna get rid of your anxiety. Um and what what it really will do is help you manage it. Um, and it's also not something that happens overnight or with one session, um, with two sessions. Like, it's not quick. It's not a quick fix. Um, so therapy really, working with a therapist really helps to um, learn about your anxiety and, and help, help you figure out what is the best way for you to manage it. Because like we've talked about, there, there are a ton of different things for for somebody to do but um it's gonna be different for everyone mm-hmm. yeah right and I and your um when you were referencing the chair before like also with therapy um in terms of it not being a, a quick fix we're like it's not just about like providing you with the skills or the tools to manage anxiety but more trying to understand like the root of of anxiety and you know, there's a lot of schools of thought that that believe that anxiety like lives in our thoughts. It's it's connected to maybe core beliefs. And so there's a lot of kind of unpacking that that might need to get done in order for you to understand what perpetuates some of these anxious feelings and anxious beliefs. Um, and then and then to be able to have the time to really unlearn or relearn ways to um, experience yourself or mm-hmm. kind of like navigate through the world. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it can really take the, the the feeling of anxiety that you're having and understand it from a totally different lens. Um, understand it from a um, from a like certain patterns that you've that you've experienced throughout your life, or or certain expectations that that have, have been in, put in place for you. Or I mean, there's so many different things. That could be an entirely different discussion. Yes. But, uh, yeah, it could be so many different things, and that's certainly, yeah, exactly what what you can do with a therapist. Mm-hmm. 
And if you are in therapy, ask your therapist about it. Um, ask, you know, how how you might use your time together to, um, like, support your anxiety feelings. Um, it's important to kind of have a partner in this because it, it can feel really overwhelming and it is really overwhelming to kind of go it alone. Mm-hmm. All right. We told you we were going to tell you about our our human selves and how we experience anxiety. I mean, we've done that a little bit already, but... Um, but, yeah, I'll ask you first. What helps you when you feel anxious? Um, let's see. Okay. Moving my body is definitely one way. Like, having an outlet for, like, that, like, buzzy anxiety feeling is is really, really helpful. And, almost like, that's almost, like, preventative. <laughs> like, um, in order for me to kind of, like, start my day, like, I need to move my body in some way to, like, get get the anxiety moving a little bit. Um, but I also really find like breath work, like breathing to be really helpful, mostly because like it packs a big punch. Like it's something that is like pretty quick and really effective and I don't have time for anxiety. (laughs) Ain't got time for that. (laughs) Um, so those are kind of like my two main things that I do, um, breathing, kind of grounding, but also like moving my body, Mm -hmm. um, really helpful i will say talking to people is a no not for Ah. me so i like to deal with it on my own yes which is i'm working on it (laughs) well no i think that um and it's funny because when you you and i were talking about this and i i told you that i'm the person that says like i'm so anxious right now (laughs) i like to verbalize it um and just like helps just get it out of me um but uh i think also what you and I have in common is if I'm in the thick of it, if I'm feeling really anxious, is uh, what I need is some deep breathing. Um, I just need it, – it, I think it's probably a combination of it gives this small sense of relief from feeling like there's no chance of relief and then, um, and then the actual bodily um, – response that then happens because of it Mm -hmm. so it's like the little mini break and then it's um it's like how that changes and moves through my body differently um that's my big one Mm -hmm. for sure it's good stuff we're Mm. gonna have to come back to it (laughs) we should have a podcast where we just breathe (laughs) (laughs) asmr (laughs) um would you mind sharing about a time that you felt anxious and, and work through it, what that looked like? Yes. One of my indicators is, like, and like one way I know it starts to creep in is when I start to um, feel like I have a lot a lot to get done and, and I, there's no time to do it. And, um, I'm, or, like, I feel like I'm taking on too much. And um, what I – what I've been coming back to – um, most recently where I was like measurably more anxious than usual. Um, and I, and I wasn't, I felt like I wasn't going to get everything done exactly the way I wanted to. I just, I took this other piece of advice from here. It's just did one thing, um, started with one. Uh, so this time in particular, it was like, I really wanted to get 
everything that I had to get done, plus I wanted to work out, plus I wanted to go for a walk, plus I wanted to, you know, whatever it was. Um, and I, I just picked one thing, and that one thing was, was enough uh, for me to then come back to everything else and feel like, okay, I can, I can now do this one other thing. Um, and that one thing was going for, going for a walk. Uh, I decided, like, you know what, the workout and the walk, too much. Um, let me just swap out one. Let me put, put in the other. And it's not going to be as long as I want. I'm just going to do it for 10 minutes, and, um, and that's all it's going to be. And I was okay with that. And so I just had to switch around the, like, what I wanted to get out of it and, um, and choose one thing and then it settled things just enough. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it didn't eliminate it, but it just brought it down to Mm -hmm. a totally different level. Yeah. No, I love that, that you modified expectations for yourself. Like, that's also a very, like, kind thing to do that you kind of took the pressure off yourself to have to do all the things and and doing the one thing was just enough yeah. in a lot of ways yeah no and that's that's a that's a good way to put it that it just was an expectation switch mm-hmm. yeah. how about you um so ironically um in being a therapist and doing this podcast and in engaging with people for a living. Um, I really notice anxiety show up socially for me. I'm an introvert. Um, like being social like really drains my battery, all that stuff. And um, and I tend to notice um, anxiety show up when I'm um, expe- expected or maybe in- engaging with people I've never met before or um, or where I might not be as familiar with, with people um, in general. And so... Um, I am like really passionate about like fitness and community and all that stuff. And I saw this event uh, to go to that was all like based around like women's empowerment and movement and was so up my alley and I like impulsively signed up. And then the day came and I was like, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go. And like I was noticing the thoughts that I was having were like, I don't want to go. I don't know anyone there. They're going to think I'm such a loser, um, that I'm going by myself. And what am I going to say? I don't know how to talk to people. No one's going to like me. I'm going to stand in the corner and just be a loser (laughs) by myself. And they're going to think I'm so weird and I'm just not going to go. And so my urge was to just avoid and not do it. And I was kind of noticing this like very unhelpful pattern. And I kind of checked the facts and was like, okay, you, people typically engage pretty well with you. You know how to talk to people. You literally do it for a living. And it's only an hour and a half. And if it's really terrible, you can leave. But, you know, you, like, you don't know, you're predicting the future about something that you know nothing about. And so, like, just go and see what happens. And, And knowing that I had an out was also helpful. And so I went and the people, I mean, it was a women's empowerment event. And so, of course. Of course, they were so mean. <laughs> they wanted you to get out. They were, I mean, I was one of the few people there by myself, not mm-hmm. with a group, um, which didn't feel comfortable. But, and people were also like really welcoming and I had to do small talk, which I hate. But like, it, it was, it was good and it was fine. And I felt so glad that I went and, um, and yeah, and so like none of my like worry thoughts were true 
Um, or at least if people did think I was a loser, I didn't know. And I didn't necessarily feel like that when I was there. Um, and so it was just a really good reminder to kind of like check the facts, leave my comfort zone a little bit and see what happens. And um, and yeah. Can I ask you a question about it? Mm-hmm. So I, I knew you were going to this event and I'm wondering if you put certain things in place beforehand, knowing that it's something that's made you anxious in the past. If you've pushed certain things in place, like telling people you're going to keep you accountable so that you, because you knew like, oh, like right before I'm going to get really anxious. And so if I tell people, then I'll like have to go. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That accountability piece, like I had talked about it. I talked about it with our team. My husband was, was in the vicinity. And so he was like, you know, you should go. Um, And so like having people that I knew I had to like, um, like respond to in a way (laughs) definitely helped. I also did go on a walk around my favorite loop, um, in Miami. And that also helped kind of like burn off some of this anxiety that I was feeling. And, um, and so that was very helpful. Thanks. So yeah, I mean, we could, next time we talk about anxiety, we'll talk about like those kinds of like like planters almost like these little like seeds that you plant for yourself when you know that this is going to happen I feel like we can go somewhere with that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah okay yeah. all right so shall we talk about some takeaways sure okay that anxiety shows up for everyone um and we just want to normalize that across the board that it's not something that very few people experience that we're all experiencing it in one way or another um, in many of these ways that we brought up in various other ways. Um, and we'd certainly love to hear from you uh, how you experience it. Um, so anxiety shows up for, for all of us. Um, and it, like I said, it can manifest in various ways. And sometimes those ways are pretty sneaky. So paying attention to those sneaky little ways that anxiety gets in um, can be can be really helpful for you in combating it and trying to trying to manage it differently and that there are so many different ways to cope so many different ways to help manage it Mm -hmm. yeah and and to also with those ways to cope try things out and figure out what works for you and remember that coping doesn't mean removing the feeling but more making it more manageable so that you can kind of like move move through your day a little bit more um yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. Self-care time. Self-care time. Okay. All right. So just a little brief overview. We have this self-care menu that we've been talking about every um, at every podcast, and we'll continue to do it because Revive is so passionate about self-care. Um, we broke down self-care into some smaller, more di- – or it, we broke it down into a digestible way to think about it. And in doing so, we've broken it down into thinking of it in like a meal type way. Um, And you can have it in an appetizer, you can have it in a main course, you can have it in a a dessert or a three course meal. Your dessert is, I mean, your appetizer is uh, just a little taste. Um, You might just need a little nibble of something. Uh, Your main course is a little more substantial, a little more satiating. 
your dessert is like a treat and your three course meal is something like you need a lot of, you're at burnout, you need, um, you need a full blown vacation, something like that. So Amy and I are asking each other what is on our self-care menu this week and we encourage you to think about what's on your self-care menu. So what's on your self-care menu this week? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so mine's a dessert. Mm. Um, My dessert is, well, a little background. I never grow out my nails. I'm like a very short nail person, and this is really weird for me. Never grown them out in my life. Not, Not like out of they're not strong or anything. I just don't like the feeling. And I was like, you know what? I've never done this, and I really like all these trendy nails, and I want <laughs> I'd love to go get my nails done and then not look at me funny when I'm like, can you just cut it really, really short? Like, like don't show any white. Like, I don't want it. <laughs> or cutting them before I go. <laughs> Wait, can I tell you, I noticed your nails earlier and how nice they look. Thank you. They look really great. Thank you so much. Um, maybe that's some encouragement to keep it going because this is really weird. Um, and don't ask me why I decided to do this. I have no idea. Other than that uh, long nails look cool. <laughs> That's awesome. I can't wait to see and hear about it. Thanks. That is a treat for you. Yes. Okay. What's on your self-care menu? Um, My self-care is something a little different. Um, I think it's a main course, question mark. I'm not sure. Um, I have been really feeling overwhelmed lately. And um, and I feel my feelings are telling me that, like, I'm – I have no time to myself and all of that stuff. And I don't know if that's fact or fiction. I really don't. And so one thing that I am doing is I'm doing a time audit where I'm literally writing down every minute of the day, like how I'm spending it and where I'm spending it. And um, and that's really helped me to figure out where in, in my day there's space for me. And because I w- I'm feeling like I'm having a hard time with self-care recently and feeling like it's it's hard to fit a little bit more of a substantial meal into my day. And so I'm hoping that doing this time audit is helping me to identify like where there are gaps, where there can be gaps in my day that, that are for me. So it's not it's, – it's like a pre-self-care activity, I guess. Mm. But – that's self-care too, mm-hmm. which I, I saw you put that up on your story, and I wasn't thinking, like, that's self-care. Mm-hmm. But it is self-care, which is one of those funny little sneaky self-care mm-hmm. items. Mm-hmm. I think we like to say sneaky. With- <laughs> if you have another word than sneaky, <laughs> let us know. I'm going to thesaurus I like it though. No, I think that that's that the pre-planning is planning, and the planning part is also self-care. Mm-hmm. It's great. Yes. Ooh, I wonder what you'll find out. I know I've already learned some things that that have been really interesting, mm-hmm. and and you know it's telling me that my my feelings are actually facts that I I am I am working too much mm-hmm. and I don't have much time for myself, and so that gives me information that I like can go back and change but it it helps me know that my feelings are true and sometimes that happens sometimes my feelings are facts but that's not always the case and so I just needed the evidence that's great in order for me to make a change great well that wraps us up for our anxiety episode uh sounds like there's lots more to cover here so stay tuned for that and we'd love to hear from you about 
what you might want to know more about in terms of this topic or anything that we talked about today or any other future topics that you would like us to discuss, um, you can please subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you're watching us on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. Um, you can find us on social media at Revive CFW. That's Instagram and TikTok. And our website is revivecenterforwellness.com. This will all be in the show notes. <laughs> and you can find me on Instagram at Amy Albero LCSW. Yeah, and you can find me at Catherine Van Eyck, um, which will also be in, written in there. And um, and if you're listening to this on Spotify, um, then definitely follow us, please. That would be great. And rate us, review us. Um, we want to hear your feedback. We love feedback. We We're love therapists. feedback. We love feedback. Yes, send it. <laughs> um, yeah, that's all. All right. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are wishing you well.